0: Jesse Kelly show. Let's have some fun. And you and I have to have a talk right off the bat about tonight's show because tonight's show is going to be slightly, slightly different. Just a quick heads up for you. I am looking at more stories than I'll ever be able to get to in the show. There's so much to talk about today. Afghanistan, as we speak, as you and I are talking right now, Afghanistan is imploding, imploding massively. I'll get to it. We have the majority of Democrat voters preferring socialism. We are right on the verge of losing this budget argument. Consumer prices are through the roof. The middle class is getting slaughtered. Biden's inflation tax is crushing people. Amy Comey Barrett just screwed us all over and Every U.S. senator, except for one, I haven't found out who that is, voted for the dumbest thing in the world today. We're going to make fun of John Kerry and China's on the move. What I'm saying to you is, in the next three hours, I can't possibly get to all of these things, and I will take phone calls and read emails tonight. I can't possibly get to all this. So, on nights like this, sometimes, I think it's good to stop trying to get to everything and try to get to nothing. What do I mean by that? Let's set all this aside for a moment. All of it. Inflation and budgets and Afghanistan and China and our useless Supreme Court. Let's set it all aside now. Set it aside for a moment. I promise we'll have plenty of time to stress about that during the show. You and I are going to do something I used to do every single show. Every single show, before the show went supernova and when, I mean, before I got signed with Premiere and now it's on all across America, forever, what I would do to open up every single show is I would tell a story about history. It would be like the first hour of every show. No, I'm not doing the first hour tonight, but it would be the first hour of every show. No politics, no nothing. I would simply sit down and tell a story throughout history. It might be a mobster, a battle, a a dictator, who knows? You and I are going to rewind things just a little bit tonight because something is coming, and I think it's important everyone understands where I come from when I explain what's coming. Violence is coming to this country, political violence, which is just the worst thing in the world, the worst thing in the world. I know there are plenty of people out there, maybe you, you, you cheer for it or want it or something like that because you're so mad at the communists. And believe me, I understand that. I understand it. I'm not judging you. I don't. I have seen dead people. I've seen plenty of death in my life. I've smelled it. I've heard it. And I don't want that in my country. I don't look forward to it. But I do see violence coming. Ugly, ugly violence. And you and I are going to pause on this overwhelming number of stories I have in front of me. And we're going to rewind just a little bit. And we're going to go to a place called Spain. You see, we're going to rewind clear back to the early 1900s in Spain. And what's happening at this point in time, not just in Spain, but really everywhere in the world, especially in Europe, What's happening is there is a, it depends on how you want to put it, a turning, a changing of the weather, uh, a massive pattern change. Dep- however you want to put it, I would call it a turning. The world is trying to purge off what it had been The world had been run by monarchs. The world had been run by kings. That was just the... Remember, you and I live in a unique, tiny, tiny, tiny period of time. The world has always been run by kings. It's been run by monarchs and one man on top. That's just how the world works. The world was starting to realize, or depending on how you think about it, think that there is a better way. I don't like the monarchy. I don't like a king. I definitely don't like the king's son. He's a dirtball. He's coming up next. I don't like this. And the world was starting to experiment, throw ideas around of, okay, if we're going to toss out the monarchies and such, uh, who's going to govern us? What's going to govern us? We have to come up with something. And there were all kinds of ideas being thrown around, you know, democracies and republics and and this is the era where communism and socialism were really coming up and fascism. Now, you know, fascism as only a bad word now, and honestly it is a bad word, who wants to be ruled by a fascist, but back then, like communism, it was a pretty new word. It hadn't really been tried, at least in their minds. You ask me, I say uh, a king is a fascist, but that's, that's not how they looked at things. Fascism was viewed as very much a potential for getting rid of the king. Hey, let's get rid of the king and get a fascist. That sounds nuts to you today. Back then, it didn't. Same with communism. Let's get rid of uh, this dirtball czar in Russia, and we'll go to communism. Well, you hear that word, and understandably, you vomit in your trash can. They weren't vomiting in their trash can back then. It sounded more like, oh, so we would have more, more rights as people? Oh, that sounds nice. Obviously, in practice, we know it doesn't work that way. We're going to go to a place called Spain really quickly, though. Don't worry. I'm going somewhere with this. It's going to apply very much to you and I. Spain began to feel this upheaval big time. They still had a king, but they began to feel this upheaval. Movements began to rise within Spain. Hardcore, hardcore socialist movements. Hardcore, far-right nationalist movements who wanted kind of a fascist, who wanted to return to older ways. And then, like, the socialists back then, they're no different than socialists today. The atheism, remember, is really the religion of socialism. They wanted rid of the Catholic Church's hold on them in Spain. The Catholic Church has been huge throughout Europe. It is huge, by far, the most dominant religion in Spain then and now. Only it had... Look, I'm not going to rip on Catholics, not, not, not now, not ever, but back then, if you were a poor person, you probably could come up with reasons you disliked the Catholic Church. They were, it was more than just a place you went on Sundays, they were really kind of ruling the rules, the roost, you know? So I'm not trying to excuse anybody, I'm just trying to explain the movements that were rising. And these socialists, they wanted the Catholics to shut up, and they wanted women to be able to get abortions. And they, none of this is sounding familiar, is it? And they wanted people to be able to divorce and they wanted, they wanted more women's rights on the left. Some of them were kind of warranted at the time. Like at this point in time in Spain, a woman couldn't own a bank account without her father or her husband's permission. Like it was a very, very different time. And I'm not judging Spain. This was the era in which they lived. Remember, don't, don't look back at history unless we're talking Hitler or Stalin and look down your nose at them. They existed in their time, right? We don't judge them here. And so what happened was the far left began to rise in Spain. And like I said, the far right began to rise in Spain in response to the far left. Stop me if any of this is sounding familiar at all. And the far left would end up winning an election because they were having elections and they would take over power. And because the far left then is pretty much just like the far left now, they would take over power and immediately begin to consume and destroy everything in the old order, all old traditions. They would try to wipe everything out. Well, if you're on the right, even a slightly moderate person on the right, and you're watching these people tear through your culture like a blowtorch through butter, it will inevitably push you further to the right and radicalize you. And that happened. And then the right would win an election. And then the left would win an election, and the right would win an election. And eventually, eventually, this situation came to a head, and I'll wrap this story up and tell you what the heck I'm talking about and why it applies to us here in just a moment. But first and foremost, Hero 2020. Do me a favor right now. Go to Hero2020.com, use the coupon code Kelly, and get one. Husband and wife driving home from work. Stop at a red light, or driving home from dinner, I'm sorry. Stop at a red light. Angry mob surrounds the car. They manage to get the door open, which is horrible, and get their hands on the husband and start dragging him from the car. Wife, as you can imagine, screaming, crying, scared. Husband pulls out his Hero 2020 non lethal weapon, manages to shoot his attacker twice in the chest. It's a non-lethal weapon, but I don't mean it don't hurt. This brutal chemical irritant so debilitates his attackers, he gets back in his car with his wife. They're alive and well to this day because of Hero 2020. Go to Hero2020.com. Use the coupon code KELLY to get you a special discount. State law restrictions may apply. The Jesse Kelly Show.
1: On air and online at Jesse Kelly Show.
0: Chris, this is the last time you're playing that filth on the show. (laughs) It It is the Jesse Kelly show, the overwhelmed Jesse Kelly show with a million stories and things to talk about. So I'm not talking about any of it for a minute. I was talking about Spain, Spain back in the day when they were getting ready to Get rid of of this whole monarchy thing. And the left wing began to rise. This this anti-monarchy, anti-religion ideology began to rise. And what it did is it began to rise and it began to take over Spain. It began to create major, major resentment in the right. The right who wanted Spain to remain Spain and wanted Spain to remain the way it was. And the more the left... Destroyed and they destroyed everything they possibly could, the angrier the right got. And eventually, eventually the situation came to a head. A man, I may do a history story on this thing, actually. A man by the name of Francisco Franco rose. Francisco Franco was a runt of a kid. Had a weak little voice. His dad was apparently a world-class jerk, uh, made fun of his son. His mother was apparently extra loving and extremely devoutly Catholic. And Francisco Franco grew up with the world-class chip on his shoulder, and he grew up with a love of Catholicism, and he grew up with the love of his country and the way it was. Threw himself into the military. He was, to his credit, absurdly brave, I'm skipping over a lot of details here for our purposes, but eventually he came and he led a right-wing coup against the left-wing government that was in charge. Now, the left-wing government that was in charge controlled two-thirds of Spain. They controlled the Spanish Navy, obviously, because they were running the ports, but Francisco Franco had other friends, friends like Mussolini and Hitler. And before those names taint you for the story too much, try to understand Hitler wasn't Hitler just yet. Mussolini wasn't Mussolini just yet. This is pre-World War II, Holocaust, all that stuff. This is, okay, he doesn't seem like a great guy, but he's doing the whole nationalist thing. This is really the rise of the fascists. And Franco takes over, takes over the right wing, And with the aid of some Nazi planes and equipment and the aid of some Italian planes and equipment, as much as those help, he took on and fought the left in a nasty, nasty civil war. Now, that brings me to the purpose of my story today. You see, this civil war was Spanish citizens against Spanish citizens. And what it was was terrible in every possible way. It was military bombers turning Spanish cities and Spanish civilians into rubble. It was... Horrific atrocities committed by both sides against women and children and men because of the deep-seated cultural hatred that had been fueled and fueled and fueled as each side became more and more radical and violence began to beget violence and that beget violence and that beget more violence. And soon, soon the country was simply ablaze and Spanish citizens were dying. By the hundreds of thousands. I'm going to say something to you right now. And I mean it all the way. All the way. And please, Lord, if you're listening to me right now, and I know you are, please let me be wrong. You're going to see those days here in America. You're going to see it. I can see it right in front of me. I can see it clearly. And I'll tell you why I see it. I see it because... For the last four years, especially under Donald Trump, the left in this country, Donald Trump was so incomprehensible to them, all of them. I'm talking about the media, the bureaucracy, State Department, FBI, DOJ, Democratic Party, half the Republican Party, Hollywood. Donald Trump was such a bridge too far, so awful to them. They looked around and said to themselves, Everything is now permissible. Everything is permissible in the ultimate goal of getting rid of Donald Trump. And so you saw everything from the FBI lying to the FISA court to Trump supporters shot in the head and killed in the streets, people beaten routinely. And on top of all this, you saw the media in this country cover that violence If they covered it at all, they almost covered it with uh, tacit approval. Ah, Trump supporter ended up getting shot today. It was a pretty violent rally. We'll have to stay tuned. We'll find out what he said to to see what got him shot. Or most of the time, they didn't uh, cover it at all. And then again, in an effort to defeat Trump, everything became permissible when St. George Floyd died. You remember, you remember the famous CNN picture? It's on my Twitter timeline if you want to see it, at Jesse Kelly DC, of a CNN reporter standing in front of a building burning to the ground, and the headline on the screen said, fiery but mostly peaceful protests. You watched Antifa shoot a man in his face dead for wearing a Trump hat in the streets of Portland. You watched the beatings and the violence and the murder And what it did in you, and I hate this, but it's human nature and it's not your fault. What it did in you was it created this thinking on the right that we aren't near radical enough and that political violence is now simply a way of life. And now people think it's a way of life. You think January 6th was bad? January 6th was a game of patty cake. The right is going to begin to commit the acts of violence the left has Promised they are coming and they are coming. As the left gets more ravenous and more violent and more radical, eventually that will be met by the right. It will be. And that'll be terrible too, because it's all freaking terrible. And then that's only met by more from the left, who has the government institutions on their side. That's why you see the FBI lining you up now, trying to make you to be a domestic terrorist, which is met by more on the right, which is met by more on the left. We are pulling apart as a nation and nobody seems to be able to see it, and nobody seems interested in stopping it. Nobody. I'm sitting here watching it happen in front of my eyes, and I'll be honest with you, it shocks me. It shocks me that everyone can't see it. It's coming, and people can't see it. And the people responsible for it, all those dirtball scumbags in the system, not one of them has any interest in slowing down. And frankly, why would they? If you're a dirtball communist and you control all the institutions, what interest do you have at this point in time in calling a truce? They're going to hammer the gas pedal. Of course they are. And it's creating a level of desperation in people I've never seen on the right in my life. We saw in Tennessee last night some, quote, medical experts, or wait, this was the night before, medical experts testify kids should wear masks. On the way out, they were getting threatened by people on the right. We know where you live. You think that is a one-off? That's a little taste of what's coming in this country, and no one wants to stop it. Nobody wants to stop it but me. I see it as clear as day, and I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'll get back to the stories next coming up. We'll talk Afghanistan. I'll be totally frank, and you know I don't say this a lot. It saddens me. Hang on. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Chris, I swear if you play Smashing Pumpkins one more time on this show, <laughs> I'm going to lose my mind. All right. That's enough of that. I realized that was heavy. Eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three. If you want to yell at me, I know it's a little heavier than we normally do on the show, and I got a bunch of stuff to get to. I just felt like it needed to be said. I see it happening. If you happen to miss it and you don't know what I'm talking about, I gave a little... Francisco Franco history story for you today. So you're welcome to call in 877-377-4373. Should be noted as we dig into Afghanistan, my buddy Drew Berquist was CIA, and I don't mean uh, office stuffy person CIA. I mean like cool counter-terrorist agent CIA. He is coming on our show in about 30 minutes from now. He was in Afghanistan. He's going to or an hour from now. He's coming on about an hour from now and he's going to break down some Afghanistan stuff for us. So, before I get into all the domestic stuff, let's just talk about what's actually happening out there. I have three different headlines, take of them what you will. This is 1945. Joe Biden's Afghanistan withdrawal was looking like a disaster. US reportedly negotiating with the Taliban to avoid embassy attack in Kabul. And which leads us to Pentagon deploying 3,000 U.S. troops back to Afghanistan. Okay. I understand Afghanistan is not the top of your mind. It's not the top of my mind most of the time either. Let's just realize something. We spent a lot of money and much more importantly, a lot of blood over there. Men lost lives. Women lost lives. People lost limbs over there. Husbands and wives, daughters and sons. It is your responsibility as the leader of a nation, as the leader of a military, whether you're a president, senator, general, whatever you call yourself, you have a responsibility to the men and women who serve under you. We have grossly, grossly underserved the men and women who fought in Afghanistan, grossly underserved them. They deserved better from about 15 minutes after our boots touched the ground over there. We didn't have a mission, didn't know what to do, started some stupid hearts and minds campaign, started training the Afghan national forces, and they're falling like a house of cards at this point in time. What Chris, Chris said, it sounds like Vietnam. It's actually funny. You brought that up. It is much like Vietnam. It's much like Vietnam. We stepped into a place to win hearts and minds, and they didn't want to give their hearts or their minds. It's a different place. And this is it's it's crazy to me how painfully naive the, the foreign policy people in America are, how little they know about life. And I explained this last night, and it's true in all my inside military, all my inside baseball military guys. They all called me or texted me after or during the show when I said it, and they said, Oh, that's so spot on. What I said was the people who set the policy, the people who decide on the mission, the people who are actually directing things, not the boots on the ground, not the warriors, the people who are actually directing things out there, they have no idea what they're doing. Why? They've never been in the real world. Even the Pentagon these days, even the Pentagon. You have a bunch of left-wing academics who have gone through any one of the college colleges, including the military academies, which are sadly rotting out from underneath us and when they have been just the awesomest institutions in the world. Did you know you can minor in diversity and inclusion studies at West Point? Did you know that? I bet you didn't. Now you do. They're rotting out from underneath us, and they go to the Pentagon, and they've spent maybe 15 minutes in the real world, and they set policy. And that's the good news. That's better than the State Department, or God forbid, the politicians, who've never spent a minute in the real world. They go right from high school to a Harvard or Yale, where they think they, they think they know something by the time they graduate, and... And you have to understand now, because we're in such a different point in our country, most of them are either shaded or completely jaded with America hate. They legitimately hate the place. They're not fighting for it. They think America sucks. They think the problems in this region are our our fault, and the problems in that region are our fault. So Joe Biden gets in there, and Joe Biden yanks us out of Afghanistan, a move which, I'll be honest with you, I obviously support. I thought Trump should have done it. I thought it was a disgrace. Trump allowed the generals to push him around on that. I thought it was embarrassing. Biden pulls us out. He pulls us out. And now what? Now what? Well, what's happening now is what everyone knew was going to happen. Except for the Biden administration, apparently. You see, the Taliban, since we got there, have been the finest Afghani fighting force in the region. Remember, you can hate the Taliban, and you should. They are absolute world-class dirt balls, but they're really good fighters. They were always really good fighters because they've been fighting there forever. They were great fighters, so... Joe Biden pulls us out. It was a political move. He doesn't care about Afghanistan, but he yanks us out of there trying to get a nice little boost in the approval ratings. The Taliban, unsurprisingly, are now tearing through that country like a blowtorch through butter. They're the finest fighting force by a mile, and the people who were kind of liking us but not sure as soon as they watched us leave. I mean, they licked their finger and stuck it in the air and saw the wind was blowing towards the Taliban. Let's join up. So not only are the Taliban tearing through the country, they're actually not taking casualties. They're getting stronger as they go because they're picking up all the equipment and weapons and ammo we left behind with our, quote, allies. That's the reality of it. That's the reality of it. Afghanistan's gone. It's going to be a nation probably entirely controlled by the Taliban. Maybe the Northern Alliance will be able to hold them off, but they're going to take over. They're going to commit unspeakable atrocities against anyone they think helped us out. Women and children will be treated like property once again, treated like cattle. It's absolutely repulsive how those people treat women. And this is all terrible. Now, Inevitable, but terrible. Now let's set all that that aside. Let's get back to what I was talking about, about the naivete of our foreign policy. I've played for you recently several times. Jen Psaki saying things like, wow, if the Taliban, if, if they want any kind of relationship with the international community, boy, if I could package that statement up, If I could package that statement up, I would absolutely sell it to everyone else. This is what your foreign policy is.
2: The Taliban also has to make an assessment about what they want their role to be in the international
0: community. Okay. The Taliban have to make an assessment. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. That's somebody who's never left academia. Ever. She has no idea what she's doing. They're not making assessments about anything. They don't care about anyone else. They care about taking over their nation. But these are the academic morons who run America's foreign policy now. And so what are we doing? They're they're threatening our embassy in Kabul, right? They're threatening our embassy. Obviously, they're threatening everything because they're taking over the country. What did we do? What did we do? I love this. This is the best part. I love this headline from the New York Post. U.S. reportedly negotiating with the Taliban... To avoid an embassy attack. Negotiating. You understand what that means, right? Since we're not there anymore? Negotiating with the Taliban means giving them something. We're going to bribe the Taliban to not hurt our people in the embassy. And this is why America's foreign policy has been an embarrassment since, my goodness, Korea? Longer? This is why, because we, we've never figured out foreign policy wise, what we are as a nation. We've never figured it out. We've been thinking there's, there's, there's a way to halfway do things. We can halfway do this or halfway do that. We can, we can conquer here or fight there, but we can do it the right way. That way of thinking has doomed us. I have one more quick thing on this then we're moving on. Hang on.
2: Jesse Kelly. You're listening
1: to The Jesse Kelly Show.
0: It is The Jesse Kelly Show on a Thursday. Before I forget, I realize I've not mentioned it so far. I know you're waiting with bated breath for tomorrow. It's Ask Dr. Jesse Friday tomorrow. Get your questions in. Jesse at jessikellyshow.com, Jesse at jessiekellyshow.com For you new listeners, of which I understand there are quite a few, Fridays are different. Fridays, I don't show up with a big stack of stories in front of me. Yeah, we'll obviously hit any major news of the day, but Fridays are about you, your questions, whatever you want to know. And I mean whatever you want to know. It doesn't have to be political. It can be. That's totally fine. If you want to talk history or food or employers, employees, men, women, relationships, travel, I don't care. It can be something totally stupid. I'll answer it on the air. Email your questions, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Try to remember to put Ask Dr. Jesse in the subject line. One final thing. I know you don't care about Afghanistan. And to be to be totally frank, I don't care about Afghanistan. What I care about is that there's never any accountability ever for the people who get us in these gigantic messes. Decade after decade after decade of American foreign policy trying to halfway conquer somebody. Either go over there and take over the place or stay home. You can't do this. Stu- who came up with this stupid hearts and minds idea? In their mind, you're still an occupying army. There is no, There aren't enough candy bars you can hand out to make that okay. Either go take over or stay home. It's not fair to the men and women who go over there and bleed for this place. Yeah, Lee. All right, let's get to a couple emails before I get to the story. Hi, Jesse. I heard you talk about having anger issues, and I would like to know how you figured out how to deal with them. One of the reasons I like your show is you seem jovial, and are able to make me laugh and laugh in the face of this communist misery. It seems like you figured out a way to manage it pretty well. Okay. All right. Well, here's the deal. I was a very, very, very angry young man when I got back from Iraq and got out of the Marine Corps. Very angry young man. An angry, violent young man. Not a not a great time in my life, as I've explained before on the show. Not something I'm certainly proud of. You, you go home at night. With a bunch of beer and close all the blinds in your apartment and turn out the lights and drink beer by yourself in the dark, you're not in a really great place. All right? Let me tell you some things that helped me. One, I looked for and found a great church. I don't preach at you ever, but if you want something, there it is. That's one. Two, maybe this comes with age. I don't know. Maybe it was something I always had. But you know I'm a history fan, right, buddy? You know I'm a history fan? I part of, One of the reasons I love history is it reminds me of how small I am and how small we are as a nation. Because we can get so selfish, right, about ourselves and our country and everything's the end of the world and no one has ever gone through this before. Part of the reason I can laugh through all this is I understand, man – You and I are going to try. We're going to fight as hard as we can for as long as we can to save this place. But no matter what, no matter what you do, you're given what? 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years on this earth, maybe, if you're lucky. That's what you're given on this earth. This is your time. You're not going to get a repeat of it. Do you want to be miserable the whole time? You might as well laugh. You might as well have some fun. Screw off. Be immature. Life is too short to do otherwise. If you and I are going to sit here and make ourselves miserable every single day, blood pressure through the roof, then look, we're never going to be short on material if that's the goal to do that. I won't do it. Look, I did it earlier in the show. I'm going to yell. I'm going to get mad. Dude, this is not going to ruin my life, even if it eventually ruins my life, right? Even if this eventually ends my life. What if the commies take, come, come take me one day? Okay. What if they came, came and took me tonight? Brother, I've had 40 great years on this earth. Thank God for them. What a ride it's been. None of us get out alive. That may sound down. It's not. You might as well put a smile on your face. And hear me out here. And I realize this may be trying to shoot my own self in the foot. And I'm genuinely not trying to. You understand one of the reasons I do make so many jokes and do have so much fun on the show is it's fun for me. I enjoy it, and if I get too mad too often, I end up miserable. I've done a couple shows like that where I'll finish the show after three hours and I'll catch myself scowling on the way out the door to my truck. And I'll think, what is wrong with you? You do radio for a living. What are you mad about? Try this for me. Walk away. Walk away for a day. Walk away for a week. Walk away from any politics that makes you mad all the time. That's part of the reason I do the show I do. I want it to be fun. Yeah, we're going to hammer serious issues, and we're going to blast commies, and we're going to do all these things. We are. And there are going to be times we get upset together. But man, if we're just going to beat our faces against the desk and make ourselves miserable every single day, what kind of life is that? I'm not living like that. And I understand the show and it's super big now and whatnot, but if you told me, Jesse, we could, I know it's big, but we could make it the biggest show ever now if you would just yell and scream all three hours, just be super mad and yell and scream all three hours, I wouldn't do it. I'd rather stay right here. I wouldn't do it. I don't think it's right for me to do that to you. Setting myself aside, I think it was, it's wrong to do that to you. If you finish listening to a radio show after three hours and your blood pressure has spiked 40 points and you're miserable and walk away from that crap, you don't need that. Go find something else. Find a podcast, find a different show, find something else. You don't need that garbage in your life. Nobody does. All right. The majority of registered Democrat voters prefer something. I'm staring at it right here and wowza. That's some bad news. Hang on. Don't think aloud. Turn your head now, baby. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, and man, what a show it is going to be. You know how I said we were going to have a counterterrorism guy on in about a half hour? He's actually got to reschedule on me to Monday, so I thought, you know, why don't we do something special tonight? It's such a big night. It's been a heavy night. Terry Shepard, he was a Green Beret. Now, obviously, that's an impressive thing, right? Anybody who's a Green Beret, it's an impressive thing. I happen to, just because of what I do and some other stuff, know a bunch of Green Berets. All the Green Berets I know look up to Terry Shepard as a legend. Like, this dude is a legend. So he's going to break down some Afghanistan stuff for us in about 25 minutes from now. Yeah, remember what I said before I get into this next thing, which will be a little heavier. Remember what I said. If you find this stuff stressing you to the max, if it's ruining your day, there's not. look, you're not going to have to look hard to find news that ruins your day. I'm looking at 18 articles right here, and they all suck. Walk away. Take a day off. Now, a day, you know, a day, a week, walk away. Don't ruin the short time you have on this earth. Find a way to to live life anyway. And if I can give everybody something to feel good about, don't you want to live in interesting times? You're going to. I mean, you know that. The next 20, 30 years in the United States of America Are going to look nothing like the last twenty or thirty years. Now you can say, "Well, Jesse, it's going to be ugly, and you've warned there's going to be violence." Yeah, yeah, I get that. Don't you want to die with some stories? Don't you? I mean, if you and I didn't want to die with some stories, we could probably avoid any stories, right? I'll go home tonight. Let Premier know I'm I'm walking away from this radio thing. Sell all my assets. Me and the fam will move up to uh, the mountains somewhere, live in a log cabin. I'll hunt deer for dinner. It'll be a real, real peaceful existence. No conflict. Shoot, even if the country falls, no one's going to know where I'm at. How boring is that? I want to die with some stories. I want to die and have this body be beat up something fierce when they're lowering me into the ground. I want people to look at me when I'm gone and say, good grief. Talk about getting every ounce out of it. We'll be fine. Well, maybe not. (laughs) This is from Fox Business. The majority of registered Democrat voters now prefer socialism to capitalism. Poll was taken between August 7th to 10th, 59% of registered Democratic voters who participated had a positive view of socialism compared to just 49% who felt that way about capitalism. Now, understand what that means. In February of 2020, they asked the same question. At that point, 50% had a favorable view of capitalism. Only 40% said the same about socialism. What does any of this mean? These are percentages. And, oh, they're dates and it's boring. Jesse, what are you talking about? Remember what I said at the beginning of the show? And if you happen to miss it, I did a little history story for you history freaks about Francisco Franco and the Spanish Civil War and fascism and communism and the conflict and all these things and the prediction of things I see coming here. What this means is it's another example of what I'm talking about. Yeah, we have a a lot of work to do on this useless Republican Party. We do. We have a lot of work to do. We have so many weenies in this party who never stand for anything. It's pathetic. We have a lot of work to do. But, but, the Democratic Party shifting to the left is a huge part of what's killing us because it's radicalizing people on the right. It's radicalizing people on the right. Look, full disclosure, I have positions myself now that I didn't have four or five years ago. I've always been a bloodthirsty right winger. And I mean bloodthirsty. As as conservative as you could possibly be. However, if you were to tell me four or five years ago that a governor was going to tell a business, no, you can't mandate that for your employees. I would have said that is not the right thing to do. That is not limited government. That governor should stay out of it. Free markets, baby. Oh, not anymore. Not anymore. You don't have any protections left except for that. That's part of what's radicalizing us. And, I mean, look, I have an article here from Hot Air. Manchin and Cinema. that's Joe Manchin, the senator from West Virginia, and Cinema, the hot senator from Arizona. What, Chris? She is kind of hot, right? Anyway, they say they're still not on board with the $3.5 trillion budget that they're putting forward. But someone wrote an email into the show one time, and I thought it was really good. It, was, it made a great point. I think someone wrote an email, but either way, I'm going to take credit for this idea myself because that's the kind of person I am. He said, Jesse, think about this. You're a Joe Manchin or Kristen Cinema vote away from complete socialism. <laughs> How terrible is that to think about it that way? We're banking on a Democrat senator. Either one of them. We're banking on a Democrat senator holding the line on our behalf because this $3.5 trillion budget, it really is legitimately something to watch. Because the Democrats, which was, look, it was brilliant. The Democrats figured, hey, we got one shot. We have one shot to pass something. They know they're going to lose the House in the midterms. If we only have one shot to pass something, why don't we just put everything we want in that one something? And that's what they did. You know, credit to them. Credit to them. Don't forget, tomorrow's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday, and we'll take some phone calls tonight. 877-377-4373, 877-377-4373. This is from the article about this reconciliation. The Senate adopted the measure 50 to 49 with one lawmaker, Senator Mike Rounds, Republican of South Dakota, absent for the vote just before 4 a.m. Well, no wonder he was absent. Voted a decent hour. Anyway, but less than four hours later, Mr. Manchin issued a statement declaring serious concern about the grave consequences facing West Virginians and every American family if Congress decides to spend another $3.5 trillion. Oh, you, th- you think? This was his quote. I firmly believe that continuing to spend at, this, at irresponsible levels puts a risk at our nation's ability to respond to unforeseen crisis the country could face. You know, all that's fine. All that sounds good now but we've banked on mansion about a thousand times before only to have him bought off. I mean, think about that. He's an old man. I want not old. I, I would guess 60s, 70s. Maybe I would guess 70s. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe he's got some city miles on it. I don't know, but old enough. How cushy of a job do you have to promise him to get him to vote for it? Right? I mean, remember, Democrat billionaires, they throw their money around like candy. How hard is it to walk into Joe Manchin's office? And I'm not saying the man can be bought. I don't know the man. I assume everyone can be bought. I certainly can. How hard would it be to walk into Joe Manchin's office and be all, oh, you're worried this is going to lose you the next election? You know, it might, Joe. I just want to let you know, I have this think tank. We could really use a president at this think tank. It pays like $3 million a year. We'd sign you for a three- or four-year deal. Anyway, Joe, do whatever you think's best. Have a good one. <laughs> how how sure are you he would say no to something like that? It's getting uncomfortable now, isn't it? Getting real uncomfortable. But this is where we are. Got hope for the best. Hey, Jesse. Come on. All your listeners are not 30 to 40-somethings. I'm old enough to be a great-great-grandfather, and I don't need no youngin' messing with my politics. I'm more libertarian than any of them. He's talking about his extended family and not one of them goes anywhere near the middle, let alone the left. Listen, listen to you. Massive ego and incredible talking and educational skills (laughs) every day, but you ain't as good looking as me. (laughs) He used to, looks like he used to fly tankers and Curtis LeMay from world war II. Uh, Some of his guys served with Curtis LeMay, man, what a great email. He's in his 90s. Gosh, that's so cool. I love emails like that. All right, I'll take a couple phone calls before we get to Green Beret Extraordinaire Terry Shepard, 877 377 4373 But first and foremost, how about a sale of the year? Sale of the year. That's what's going on right now at my pillow. You see, they have the world's best cotton is Giza, right? And they have these Giza dream sheets at my pillow. Oh my gosh, they're so comfortable. I have some. Well, to clarify, I have three sets. That's how much I love them. Right now, half off. Half off. 50% off. If you go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener specials, you can get Giza Dream Sheets for as low as forty nine ninety nine with the promo code JESSE. Now, you have to put it in the promo code JESSE. $49.99. Go to MyPillow.com. Click on the Radio Listener Specials, use the promo code JESSE, and I'll just be frank with you, while you're there, you might not want to browse around very much, because I did that last time I was there, and I bought everything, and it's all the best stuff in the world, the mattress pads, the pillows, oh gosh, the pillows are so nice, all of it. Go get half off Giza Dream Sheets, enjoy yourself. MyPillow.com, promo code JESSE. Ah! Missed out?
1: Catch up? Ah! JesseKellyShow.com.
0: It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Don't hate on the Beach Boys, dude. I love the Beach Boys. You know what? The Beach Boys are. You know what they are? They're that band everybody loves and no one will admit. They're on no. You ask someone to list their top ten bands, you're never going to get Beach Boys in there. You don't turn off Beach Boys songs when they come on. You know it's true, Chris. You know it's true. All right. Remember, we've had a talk before about how the communists see the world versus how you and I see the world. And what did I what have I told you? That going forward, they're not looking around right now and saying to themselves, Wow, we finally did it. We finally wrecked America the way we wanted. Dude, this is awesome. Can you believe it? We have all the cultural institutions. We're doing whatever we want. We're making up the rules as we go along. We have prosecutors. We can even get away with all the crimes. It's the greatest thing in the world. That's how you look at what's going on. You're horrified. You're you're thinking to yourself, oh my gosh, they took it all. And what I've tried to explain is these people haven't even come close to reaching their final form yet because they don't look at the world the way you and I look at the world because they worship Devoutly a religion of domination and destruction. All they can see, all they can see is things they haven't conquered yet. I this is how they are, this is who they are. I've used this example before, but when Megan McCain was on the view, I don't know if she's still on the view. I don't watch the view, I don't know anything about that, but she was she was always the one that would complain about her all day long. You'd have four or five liberal hags at the table. And then Meghan McCain, who's not even on the right, she's down the middle to put it mildly. And they raged about it. It was all they could see. They don't look at that and think, wow, this is awesome. Look at that. We've got got 80% of the show. They look and only see the one person who's speaking up who shouldn't be there. They don't look at life the way you and I do. You could set $100 bills out on the ground, and they race you for it, and they grab 99 of them. They would be bothered for days until they found a way to get that one back out of your hands. That's how they look at it. And therefore, going forward, they're going to ruin things. They're going to infect and infest and ruin things you never thought possible. You never thought possible because it would never occur to you. You don't believe me? Oh, wait. I have a headline for you, and then I'll get to some phone calls, 877-377-4373. When I get to the calls, don't screw it up. No small talk. I'll give you the hook. But you don't believe me? You don't believe me, though? They'll they'll go after things you haven't even thought of yet? Here's a headline. This is from CNN. I saw NPR ran something on it yesterday. The inhabitant of a medieval grave in Finland may have been non-binary, a new study finds. Oh, that's right. Excavators uncovered a nearly 1,000-year-old grave in Finland thought to be occupied by a warrior woman, given the presence of both jewelry and a pristine sword in the grave. A new analysis of the contents has produced a new hypothesis. The person buried there may have been non-binary. Now, you're rolling your eyes right now. And, you, and you, should. you should. You should be rolling your eyes and you're disgusted and you're mortified. Look, forget about this stupid story. Just understand these people aren't done. In their minds, they haven't even gotten started. Remember Mao's cultural revolution? Remember it? Even if you don't, remember Mao and the communists took over China in about 16, 17 years into total, China, total communist rule. Mao started another revolution to get rid of the communists he didn't like. There is no end. No end. Lenin talked about it. It must be revolution without end. There is no end date. These people don't get to a place like you or I would and go, Oh, nice. We finally did it. Man, that feels good. Honey, can you believe we got the 401k that I? We can retire now. That's how you think. They don't think like that. It's wild to think about, isn't it? These people. All right. Against my better judgment, Kenneth, I'm going to you now. Go.
3: Thank you, Jesse. Uh, What I wanted to bring up was, since you're a history buff, I wanted to bring this to your attention to see if, if you recall this or studied this where there was a miracle a, a catholic miracle of uh, basically it may have been magicory where these children saw the visions of mary and they said that uh for alex on line
0: one alex go uh, yes, Jesse. I was just wondering why everyone is not
3: sounding the sirens, basically, on the methodical strategy being orchestrated at the border where they're letting them in. It's an invasion by the thousands and distributing all the people to the red states, totally unchecked, admitting they're 40 percent COVID positive. Um, the strain they're saying is so infectious, so that means 100% of them should probably be getting it. And now they're saying all the uh, COVID cases are going up in the red states all of a sudden. I wonder why.
0: Great phone call. I'm looking at a headline here from the post-millennial. Laredo. That's a Texas. It's a Texas town. Good grief, people. Laredo, uh, the Texas mayor in Laredo says at least, at least one-third of the migrants are testing positive for COVID. One third. Remember, this is from the administration. This is from the administration who told you they're worried about coronavirus. Wear a mask. We think there should be vaccine mandates. Funny, they're not vaccinating a single illegal immigrant coming in the United States of America. Hmm. That's weird, but they're. They're really, really worried about coronavirus, but they're not vaccinating these people. Do you know how many unaccompanied minors, illegal immigrants, just minors, we allowed in the United States of America last month? Do you know how many? Give you a second to guess 19,000, 19,000 unaccompanied minors in July. In July. Do these people care about coronavirus? Do these people care about coronavirus? Because they've worked you up into a panic, right? They've worked you up into a panic frenzy. Why don't they seem to care about coronavirus? Are you catching on yet? All right. We have the man, my buddy, that even other Green Berets admire, which is freaking impressive, Terry Shepard. What's going on in Afghanistan? Why does our military leadership suck now? And more. Hang on. It is the Jesse Kelly show. And most of the time, as you know, I look forward to having on guests. This is not one of those times. Joining me now is Green Beret. And yes, host of the show, you all love Hollywood Weapons, Terry Shepard. Terry, I guess, welcome home.
1: Yeah, well, hey, thanks. By the way, that's my dog Barkett, who left you an interesting message early right now.
2: <laughs> uh, and thanks for, playing,
1: thanks for playing Judas Priest for me. It's my favorite band. You guys are awesome.
0: No, of course. I mean, look, we try to give back to the less fortunate. Now, let's get to Afghanistan <laughs> if we can here. Yes, Here, yeah. and, all going, right, Terry, it's going, swimmingly. It's going people, swimmingly. People don't know what these names mean, right? Kaboom, Kandahar. And I, I, people, people who haven't been don't understand what people are talking about and what's happening right now. I know you'll be good at this. Give us the dumbed-down version of what's happening right now.
1: Well, you know, and here's the thing, man. It, the problem with all of this is that for most Americans, the whole thing was a news story, right? I mean, and that's, that's the thing. We have the kind of military where it's volunteer. And the people, you know, people come on and go, oh, wow, what is this? The thing that's happening right now, too, is that, you know, this has been mismanaged by every administration. So you can't really you can blame Biden. You should. You can blame some Trump. You should. You can blame all of them. And I think, you know, I just saw an article today, too. I've been trying to not pay attention to to a lot of stuff, but like, you know, we've left all this equipment. They've got a hold of that. The Taliban were never going to uh, argue in good faith, never going to never going to bargain in good faith. Right. So as all these forces get pulled in, get ready to go, they were just chomping at the bit. And uh, I saw something, man, I saw a tweet today and I I, I want to give credit to who it was. I can't remember who it was, but someone said that a private who loses his weapon is going to face more uh, uh, punishment than a general who loses a war. And, you know, I feel like we've got, we were there for a long time. I lost friends there. I'm sure you did, you know, that's where we are, Terry. I mean, can what, you, what you? What do you
0: think? Can you explain to me why we left so much gear behind? I'm sure my audience has seen the pictures. If you haven't, I mean, it's mountains and mountains and mountains. Millions. I would venture to say billions of dollars in gear left there, which is now, of course, all going to be taken by the Taliban. So we equipped the people we were supposed to be fighting. Why leave it? Is that some kind of standard practice? Why can't we can't ship it back the other way? Doesn't seem like a
1: good idea, does it? When I was in Iraq, too, I remember we came across this one building. It was loaded with, like, uh, enduro motorcycles for the Iraqi, and they were never used. And there's yards of stuff. I was like, can I take one of these? They're like, no, you can't touch it. Uh, Well, the short answer to it, word answer, is the government. I mean, it's not – we have people running this operation that that are just not slick. They don't understand what's going on. Maybe in some weird way, they're trying to promise that, hey, we're going to leave you this knowing, knowing that it's going to fall into enemy hands. And so that's so much money, man. It's, it's, it. a lot of guys in my community right now are really upset, right? Because it's just, you know, what did we do this for? It's been a hard pill to swallow and you, you know, listen, you're an idiot and a sociopath, Mm -hmm. but you've been right about Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff. And I think that it's, it's been a, it's been a bit of a hard pill for guys like us to swallow that the people that were, our leaders, you know, our, our superiors, our, our government officials that we elected, they're not just incompetent, they're actually, you know, they're, they're, they're not just incompetent, they're ideologically driven. And I, I don't know why you would leave that stuff. I don't know why you would do that. I wish I had an answer for you, man. I don't have one.
0: Terry, I, I, obviously you are the, the baddest of the bad, right? So you will probably have a much better perspective on this than a dumb grunt like me ever would. Tell me what's wrong with America's military leadership. And I'm not just talking about the politicians, although I'm including them too, our generals and whatnot. And a lot of these guys, I mean, it's not like they've all been paper pushers their whole lives. A lot of these guys have stacks of ribbons and medals and, you know, Vietnam guys and whatnot, and they've done things. And yet our military policy guys don't seem to have any idea what they're doing. That's what it looks like from the outside looking in. Why don't they?
1: because it's 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 careerism. I've never trusted I don't know I know you were in for a while too. I've never trusted general officers because at of that when they get to that rank, it is inseparable from from politics. I mean, look at look at General Milley. What a disappointment he's been to us oh. because he's an SS guy and here he is talking about critical race theory and and towing the party line on this. And you know what here's a funny thing? You should have known Milley was going to be a problem. When Biden didn't get rid of him when he came in, right? I mean, because he was—that'll tell you right there. So there must have been a talk about, "Hey, you're you're on board with us, right?" Yes, sir. Yes, Mr. President, I am. And they're they're pol- they're, they're politicians, Jesse, and they don't. There isn't a general walking around right now. I challenge one of them to step up and, and contradict me. There ain't a general in the world right now who would sacrifice his career to do the right thing by like a private. He wouldn't do it he wouldn't
0: do it. I agree. It. In fact, I used to tell my boots when they came in, anyone who extends past their 4-year mark ain't going to sacrifice what they've done on your behalf. So keep that in mind. But okay, so the general won't sacrifice on behalf of the private. I'm not going to I'm not going to lump them in with the full-blown communists as people who hate America. So why won't no, a right. single one of them? Why won't one step up right now to the microphone and say this is wrong. This critical race theory stuff is wrong. Everything we're doing is wrong. Why won't they do it?
1: Because they're in the machine and they'll jeopardize their, uh, they'll jeopardize their lobbying jobs. They'll jeopardize their board seats on Raytheon. They'll jeopardize, you know, they'll jeopardize everything they've built up to this point. And so the more you have to lose the less you do the right thing many times, right? And yeah. so these cats have been up there, they've been doing this for 30 years and they've, they've attained all these things and to ask them now to step up and fall on their sword, uh, They're just not going to do it, and that, like I said, that's kind of a bitter pill, man. Because we look, look, I don't do it for generals. You didn't do it for generals. I didn't even do it for America. Here's here's a little dirty secret. I joined the military. I don't want to be a Green Beret because I wanted to see if I could do it. You know, you know, America gets the benefit of guys like us that like to fight and want to prove ourselves, but we didn't do it for them. I don't do it for the generals. I do it for, you know, for, for the guys on the team. And there's just such a, there's just a, just a gulf between them. I also think you could tie it back to the educational system, right? These generals now have been educated in universities and even the service academies where we see major, major liberal left-wing stuff being pushed. You can, someone told me that you could, you can like minor in like Some kind of like diversity and inclusion studies at West Point. At West West Point, right. Mm -hmm. I saw that fly by my thing today. So if you think about it, you know, officers uh, have to have a college degree. I know you've got community college credits, but like and I have yeah, and I have a degree that I enlisted with uh, look where that I mean I studied anthropology <laughs> yes yes I did get to study apes when I joined the military uh, but you know these cats have been they're, they're, they go to they, they go to universities they're steep in some of that then they then while they're in they'll go to, they'll get their graduate degrees from wherever war college or, or they'll go to civilian universities and they 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 fit into the tapestry of the you know industrial military complex and so that's what it is look I'm not I, there there's some good ones out there I guess But I ain't seeing them now. I'm not seeing them now. And it's just the same reason why we haven't seen – how come I haven't seen a decent FBI guy? I keep hearing all the guys – you know, there's a lot of good guys on the ground. And the FBI, okay, cool. But where are they right now? When the FBI has been doing what it's been doing, no one's, doing, no one's breaking ranks. They're not going to break ranks because Speaking, it, would mean career, it would mean the end of your career and your pension and all that.
0: Speaking with Terry Shepard here, Green Beret, host of Hollywood Weapons. Uh, Terry, just really quickly, why is Afghanistan falling this quickly to the Taliban? I mean, we have been there training and equipping people to fight them, right? We made,
1: we made a very big mistake. We've done this before and think that we can westernize and americanize that culture. I mean in a way we didn't lose that Af- you could say we also we didn't lose Afghanistan Afghanistan lost Afghanistan right? I mean that's that's who they are and so if 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 the seeds didn't take after all we've done over there I mean that's that's kind of what happens. You're not you're not dealing with people, you're not dealing with a culture and an ideology and a way of life that we can even I people can't even identify over here with that. And so that's a part of it too. You know, it's not it's such a weird place too, you know, every all these different places are geographically isolated by terrain, you know, someone might know not, might not so not someone might not know the other guy in the village further away because it's that that's how it is. It's a very very sort of closed place. There's not a lot of communication and all no. the things we try to do, you're trying to layer you're trying to lay on our ideology on people that don't have that. They they yeah. I hope we learned the lesson that you know we can't we can't make them do that. They've got to do that. So all that effort we put in has been to naught and we've lost a lot of great people in in that in that effort and it yeah. sucks. It really it sucks. It absolutely sucks.
0: It does. God rest their souls. Terry, I appreciate you, my brother. Yeah. We'll get some beers soon. All right. Talk to you soon, buddy. Thanks, man. Bye. Sad state of affairs. All right. Got something for Amy Coney Barrett? Hang on one sec. I'll explain. But first and foremost, look, I already talked to you about $3.5 trillion budget. I'm looking at a headline here saying producer prices soared 7.8% annually in July. <laughs> it's a, I don't have to convince you anymore. I shouldn't have to convince you anymore to buy some gold from Oxford Gold Group. I'm not telling you to do anything nuts. I never would. And I'm not telling you to do something I haven't done or wouldn't do. I send friends, I send family members to Oxford Gold Group because they will send real gold to your home. Real gold on your doorstep. Just something to keep. Give yourself something of value that is not subject to the whims of these nutball politicians. 833-995-GOLD. 833-995-GOLD. Tell Oxford Jesse told you to call. I promise they will take care of you. 833-995-GOLD, Oxford Gold Group. Jesse Kelly returns next. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, and man, talk about somebody who deserves to get away from the cops. This is from KFOR Oklahoma City. Handcuffed suspect flees zipping through Edmund on a stolen ATV as cars pursue and ends up wiping out in muddy waters. So he had his handcuffs on, and he still managed to hop on a four-wheeler and get away from the cops? I don't know whether... Yeah, Chris, they were they were on the front. He was handcuffed on the front. I'm looking at a picture of it. Don't, don't shrug your shoulders like that's nothing. That's still really cool. That's impressive. I'm glad nobody was hurt, by the way, and all the important disclaimers. I wonder how long I could get away from the cops on a four-wheeler. What, Chris? Oh, I'm sorry. We can't wonder things? Sorry for trying to have fun. It is the Jesse Kelly show. Don't forget tomorrow is an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday? You can email your questions in to jesse at jessikellyshow.com. jesse at jessekellyshow.com, Fire away. They don't have to be political. They can be. That's totally fine. Fridays on the Jesse Kelly Show, we only answer your questions. I take my almost three years of community college credits, and I answer your questions all day long. Dear Jesse, I write to inform you of my support for your induction into the Radio Hall of Fame. First, on Monday, you gave us loyal listeners selflessly and without qualification, the burger recipe. I can't believe we're still getting burger recipe emails. If you missed it, it's podcasted on Monday's show on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. I make the greatest cheeseburgers in the world. You've never seen this recipe before. I not only tell you what the recipe is, I walk you through it. Monday show. Also. And then the very next day, you admitted that you were wrong with your prediction that King Cuomo would not leave his office voluntarily. He says, I think a lot of us were wrong about that, and I already missed the impeachment trial that now will not be. Feel free to let me know how I can further promote your nomination to the Radio Hall of Fame. (laughs) Also says, I changed his mind about term limits. Look, it's not hard It's not hard to admit when you're wrong. I'm the Oracle, so I'm used to being above everyone else. What, Chris? I'm used to being above everyone else, so I'm wrong so rarely. It's not hard to admit when I am. All right, let's talk about something a little heavier here. To be honest, I've been avoiding this. I brought it up briefly when I was talking to you about Oxford Gold. You need to call Oxford Gold. Producer prices soar 7.8% annually in July. You see, I, I'm going to do the best I can not to do when I told you so here, because I don't want to do that. That's really not my intention. But I tried to warn everybody when everyone wanted to lock down for coronavirus. And remember day one, I, day one, I said, uh, that's insane. Are you out of your mind? One, you don't have the authority to do that. And two, you're going to wreck this place. You see, we have a 20 trillion dollar economy. 20 trillion. You can't look at that and just press the pause button without far-reaching financial problems. That kind of economic dislocation when you're messing up this group and this supplier and then this supplier isn't meeting this, then this supplier has to overcharge for that. It's more complicated than anything you or I could ever possibly understand but I do know it's a disaster. And so what did government do? They stopped it, and then they saw all the economic des- dislocation and people getting out of a job, and it was a mess. And so what they do? They started passing trillion-dollar bills. Ah, oh, just dump a bunch of money in. And the bills they didn't pass, let's set aside the bills, the money, they just went to the printing presses and printed trillions of dollars, and dumped it into the economy. Did you really think there weren't going to be consequences for that? Did you think there weren't going to be far-reaching consequences for that? We're feeling it now. And here's the problem. Not only are we feeling it, everything the Biden administration is currently doing is making it worse. We're at a time when We can't afford any more lockdowns at all from anybody. Even if you're one of these people, you're in a safe state or a safe city and and it's not affecting you. And that's where I am right now. This affects all of us. We need all 50 states working right now, baby, overtime. We have got to get this economy rolling on its own. Not more government spending, not more taxes, not more printing of money. We have got to get the government out of the way, and this this party needs to start revving up now because folks are leaving. They're leaving fast, and we're not doing any of that. Instead, it's more coronavirus panic, more lockdown, more this, all in an effort to get more mail-in voting. It's weird how they want you to vote mail-in again, right? It's very odd. I mean, in California, remember, Gavin Newsom's getting recalled. In California, not making this up, you can actually print your own ballot at home. Oh, nothing could ever go wrong there. Sure, just print out whatever you want. I'll tell you what, we'll send one of our people around to collect all your ballots for you. Nothing could go wrong, right? It is odd how committed they are to mail-in voting. Why would they be so committed to mail-in voting? I just can't figure it out. We've all figured it out. We all know why Democrats are, are super inclusive. We all know why they don't want you to show ID. Everyone knows. No one wants to say it. Because they want to cheat. Now, let's talk about our side. Hang on. It is the Jesse Kelly show. We've been doing very important things as always during the break. Chris has been showing me videos of cars wrecking. It's been giving me PTSD from that time. I hurt my dad's truck. Oh gosh. Did I ever tell you that story? Oh jeez, I'll get back to Amy Coney Coney Barrett and, and why all of our senators suck and all that stuff in a second. Let's talk about the important things. Let's talk about me. So, as a child we didn't have a lot of money, right? It's construction family. No, I am not going to pour mouth over here. We when I mean, we were not starving by any stretch of the imagination, we didn't have a lot of money. And if you wanted a car, and what teenage boy interested in girls doesn't want a car? If you wanted a car, you got to go pay for that car. So every summer I would I would go to work in various jobs. You know, it was uh, when I was too young to work construction it was washing cars and uh, working at a golf course. Oh, that job was sweet, working at a golf course. Not, we're not going to go into the time I stole the beer cart or anything like that. Let's forget about that. What, Chris? stole is a strong way to put it. I was there after hours with some of the other cart people, and there was a dare to see if I could hotwire it and take it across the golf course, and then one of the sand traps got in the way. We don't have to go into that story, Chris. Okay, we're not going into that right now. We're talking about me, all right? I had saved up. I'd worked hard over a couple summers and saved up enough to buy a car. Now, my first ever car, probably not, ideal for montana remember i'd moved from ohio when i was 10 to montana it gets 20 below zero there there were five foot snow drifts on the ground now that sounds insane to every person look obviously we have a huge audience in minneapolis they get it but a lot of the country does not understand what that's like so if you understand what that's like you just have to take precautions The first car I bought was – so you'll have to look this up, most of you. Car guys will get it. Chris will get it because he's one of these car nerds. I can rebuild an engine, that kind of thing. It was an International Scout 2, and it was orange. And I mean the color of an orange orange, an an orange International Scout 2. And it had this sweet winch on the front, but it didn't have a heater that worked. So that created some difficulties and it was actually an automatic. I learned how to drive on a a stick. I'm still one of the last people on earth, apparently, who can drive a stick. They they don't even make them anymore, but I learned on a stick it was an automatic. But that turned out to not be the best thing in the world because when you drove it, you had to have pressure on the gas pedal or it would stall, and I don't mean it would stall for a second. There's a good chance it would stall, and you're not getting it back on again for hours. So I would kind of have to play this thing where I would be driving up to a red light. And this is my first car. I'm not I'm not some salty seasoned driver, but I'd have to pull up to a red light, you know, traffic. And you're having to play the ice so I don't slide into somebody with this tank I drive. And I have to kind of do the left foot and right foot thing. Because I really need to shift it into neutral and be pressing the gas. It's, it's a long story. It was rough. And when it's 20 below with no heat in the car, those are some tough trips to school. Not the most pleasant trip in the world, but it was my own car. And I was so proud of it. I think I only had it about a month or two. Now, what happened? We end up going to a, a party. I actually think it was a church party, but whatever. My folks went to a party, and they dragged everybody along. So my sister and I, we go along to this party. We took two cars. One was my mom's. The other one was my dad's work truck, his pickup truck. The plan was I was going to leave early because I was going over to a buddy's house. We were going to go shoot hoops, play video games, drink Mountain Dew, you know, the things normal kids do, or at least used to do. Who don't know? They're probably all doing cocaine these days. I don't know, but that's what we did then. Some, some point in time, the time comes, I must leave, old man hands me his keys, tells me don't mess up my truck, or I'll mess you up, that kind of thing. You know, the, the, the very frank dad conversations you have. I say no problem. I'm obviously going to drive really careful. I don't want to mess up my dad's truck. Now, it was a packed driveway. I, I can't stress this enough. A packed driveway where people were parking behind each other and whatnot. I get in the truck. I have a small window behind me between the driveway cars and just these tiny little trees on the side. I'm faced with a dilemma. I can either abandon going over to my buddy's house and go back into my parents' lame party or I can find a way to get this pickup truck out. Now, I admit I was a little naive, to put it mildly, I choose the tree side because I don't want to bang into cars. I'm not an idiot, kind of. And I start backing up, and I start backing up, and I put the branches on the trees. They're on the side of my dad's car. Chris is Chris is wincing right now. Everybody's wincing. I'm sorry to do this to you. I didn't know, okay? I didn't know. And I'm avoiding the cars on the side And these branches on the side, they run from my dad's taillight on the driver's side as I back up all the way up to the headlight out of the car or or, or out of the driveway. And on my life, if I'm lying, I'm dying. I had no idea the trees could scratch the paint of a car. I didn't know. I didn't know. I drive home. I get in my beat up Scout two that I'd only owned for a month or something like that. I just got it. It worked. I think it took me two or three summers to work up the six hundred dollars to buy the stupid car. And I take off from my buddy's house, go to my buddy's house that night. Like I said, shot hoops, video games, chilling out. Wake up the next morning, and this is before cell phones. He comes in my room with my buddy Mark. He comes in my room. He says, "Jesse, your parents are on the phone." I mean, there's no chance that's anything good. My parents calling my buddy's house. I have a time where I know I'm supposed to be home. They're calling my buddy's house. I'm thinking who died and I get get home now. And I say, uh, mom, it was my mom. It wasn't even my dad. I'm sure he was too mad to talk to me. I said, mom, what did I do? You know what you did. And I said, no, I really don't. What did I do? You know what you did. Boom, hang up the phone. And I have to drive. I think it was like 45 minutes away at home with that feeling you get in the pit of your stomach when you know you're going to probably die when you get there. This is your last day on earth, as you know. I pull in, I walk in the front door, and they're like, what do you have to say for yourself? And I still don't have any idea what I did. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I had too much Mountain Dew. What, I don't know. They take me out to the garage and show me the side of my dad's work truck. And I knew, I knew, I knew my life was over. The car I had worked two or three summers to buy, they made me sell it to pay for the scratches on the side of my dad's truck. (laughs) So I can't watch those car wreck videos anymore, Chris. They hurt me. They hurt me. You know what? Did you wreck anything of your parents? Did you wreck anything expensive of your parents? Eight, seven, seven, three, seven, seven, four, three, seven, three. If you wrecked something of mom and dads when you were a kid or an uncle or something, call me eight, seven, seven, three, seven, seven, four, three, seven, three. All right. This is from Amy. Howe. Supreme court will not block Indiana university's vaccine requirement. Indiana university, as you may have just guessed from that sentence, they're going to require vaccines for their students. This got rocketed right up to the Supreme Court. And then one of these nutball judges rejected the request by a group of students without even referring it to the court. I mean, which crazy freaking judge would just totally screw us like that? Hang on. Let me see. Let me see. Uh, Chris, do we have that information on which judge it is? Because... This name here looks like it's Amy Coney Barrett. Hmm. That's weird. That's weird because I would have sworn she was supposed to be one of the wins for us. We were told that we had to continue to vote Republican because of the judges, and the Supreme Court would protect us from these people. But we don't ever get that, do we? Never. Gosh. All right, I'll take your phone calls about stuff of your parents you wrecked in a second. Hang on. Missed out?
1: Catch up? Uh! jessikellyshow.com
0: It is the Jesse Kelly Show, and man alive, apparently you all are some destructive human beings. I told a little story about wrecking my dad's truck having to pay for the damages. I said eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three. if you wrecked something of your parents. And these stories, I don't know whether to laugh or cry or vomit, but we are going to begin at the beginning. Richard in Clear Lake. Richard, what did you do?
3: Oh, boss, man. So I ran a crew for my dad's landscaping company. And I was driving one day, it was hot, we were dying. I put all the machinery back into this 20 foot long trailer that we had in that we towed behind our truck, and I totally blanked on putting up the tailgate. I drove that truck truck, freaking three miles home with the tailgate just dragging on that. Totally lost it. When I got back, I went to unload the trailer. All the equipment was still in there, but there was no tailgate. I drove back. Three miles along the same route, could never find it. To this day, I don't know where it is. Some some lucky person got an entire tailgate to take to to get scrap metal on. $4,000.
2: Uh,
3: me $4,000. $4, he took it out of my paycheck. Every week for
0: a year. Sorry, bro. Oh, that hurts me. (laughs) All right, Chris. Oh, Chris, I don't even know if I want you to tell this story, but please, Chris, you have the floor.
2: Uh, Is this Chris in Denver?
0: Yeah, it's Chris in Denver, buddy. Go.
2: Yeah, this is super sad. So I was a 10th grader dating a senior, and my dad let me take the uh, Corvette to prom, and I wrecked it on the way there and uh, picked Eek. up my date in this broken car, parked it somewhere in the parking lot where my, my dad couldn't see it. He came to prom and, you know, did the whole, like, you know, waving thing. And um, afterwards, of course, I get busted, and I have three jobs that summer uh, to pay back the, the damage. And I fell asleep at the wheel of the family car, and destroyed that.
0: Oh my gosh! All right, Chris, hold on, hold on. We're gonna we're gonna walk through this. How did you wreck the Corvette on the way to prom? Do, is this is a family show? Are you able to say how you wrecked the Corvette on the way to prom? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: no, I totally can. I totally can. So it was, uh, it was eighties. Uh, and Risky Business had come out not too long before or whatever, and I had to buy the darkest sunglasses I could because that was the cool thing to do. I, I swear. And and I didn't see a stop sign, but there was a, I was in an alley, and there was a huge divot between the alley that was higher than the street and then the other alley, and I just blew right through it, and I hit the curb of the uh, adjacent alley full speed. Oh, oh. Just, Put the I put the front tires of the Corvette through the body <laughs> and, and it wrecked the back and just I, I, literally I hobbled the thing to the prom. <laughs> it was one of those proms where it was like 24 hours, so I was overnight. You know, so it wasn't until like the morning I bring the car back and my dad is like, "How was problem? I'm like. Well, Dad, oh, it
0: was bad. Oh, Chris, Godspeed, my brother. You're probably still paying it off. Thank you, man. That's a great call. Jeez. All right, Dana in Idaho, what did you wreck of your parents? A rubber raft.
2: I pinned a rubber raft on a bridge uh, by hitting the bridge in a rubber raft. It threw us out. The water pinned it, and it stayed there for probably over You know, until water went down, it was a little over a year that that raft stayed vertical on the bridge because the water was pushing into it, and we couldn't get it off.
0: Oh, did he murder you? I can't believe you're still alive.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. We uh, I I didn't get to use any of my dad's stuff after that. We would not let
0: you use stuff. (laughs) Be good, my man. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Matt in Allentown, PA. Go ahead. What'd you do?
3: I took my dad's brand new, I think it was like an 89 or an 88 Fiero, out for a joyride one night. And I sort of fell asleep and I bounced it off the concrete median at the side of the highway. (laughs) And luckily, our street had very little parking. Luckily, I could park it in the same spot. I was 17 at the time. He came home from work in the morning and found it. And me and my brother both denied it. And he always thought my brother did it. My brother was the bad kid, <laughs> and I didn't admit it. So I was like forty-five years old. <laughs> all right. And he, he told me he said I swore it was your brother. I said, "No, nah, man, it was me." All right. The all door right. wouldn't open. I, it, it was. It was messed up. All
0: right. Hold on. Hold on. Joyride. Was there a purpose to the joyride, or you just wanted to drive Dad's car because it was sweet?
3: Oh. Uh, no, there was a purpose for the joyride.
0: Okay, I'm not going to ask any more questions because it's a family show. Uh, that is a great call, though. No, no, no it,
3: wasn't, it
0: wasn't anything
3: bad. It was, it was uh, my girlfriend at the time, her ex boyfriend was harassing her, and I just went looking for him. That was all.
0: Wow. Well, that's a noble, that's pretty noble though. I got to be honest. I think if I wrecked my dad's truck, but told him it was because I was going to hit some guy who deserved it, he'd probably be more understanding than not. Good call, man. That is a great call. All right, Ron, go. Yes.
3: Uh, Interesting. In Ireland, a few years ago, I had my car. It was a very nice car. I bought it. And my dad came to me and said, "Can I borrow it? Got to go to work." I said, "Dad, be careful." And he came back rather sheepishly at the end of the day and said, "I wrecked your car." Really?
0: Wait, oh my god! Wait, now, your dad car. wrecked your wait, car?
3: My dad, right after him telling me all the time, be careful <laughs> driving, do this, do that. He takes my lovely car and takes it out and need to borrow it, go to work, comes back and wrecks it. <laughs> he brings it back. I said, "Dad, what am we going to do?" I don't know. We'll we'll fix it. This <laughs> <laughs> so to your show of just remembering. I was a good driver. i drive, uh, like driving. I was a careful driver. But dad always
0: says, "Be careful. Be careful. Be careful." Oh gosh, ball- that's a great call. All right, if you if you've wrecked, look, it doesn't have to be a car. If you wrecked anything of your parents, and you paid the price for it, eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three. All right. 99 to 0. The Senate just voted today unanimously on something. Amy Klobuchar, she's the rules chair, she put something in. And you're probably wondering, 99 to 0? I mean, what did they vote on? Did they vote on the laws of gravity? Did they vote on the sky being blue? Water being wet? I mean, these are people, remember... This is a partisan place. They can't agree on anything and won't agree on anything. So if you read they voted 99 to 0 on something, you're probably sitting there saying to yourself, what is this absolutely undisputed fact that 99 senators voted on? What could that possibly be? What could they all agree on? Oh, I'm glad you asked. I'll tell you in a second is here. the Jesse Kelly show. Turn off the smashing pumpkins. Chris, gosh, you know, I got to be honest with you and I'll get back to these calls about you wrecking your parents in a second or wrecking anything of your parents in a second. But a couple things here. I was initially worried that the Taliban were just going to take over all of Afghanistan. I mean, I assumed they were, but I was, I was worried this was going to happen soon. And then I saw this and it put my mind at ease. This is from the U S embassy of Kabul quote. We strongly condemn the Taliban's unlawful detention of several members of the Afghan government, including both civilian leaders and officers of the ANDSF. We urge the immediate release of all Afghan government officials detained by the Taliban. Woo-hoo! I bet the Taliban didn't see that coming, baby. If I know anything about these radical religious nutjobs who believe they're going to die and go to heaven with 72 virgins, they are pretty sensitive to the strongly worded letter. Man. All right, back to what I was saying. The Senate today voted 99 to zero on something, which is amazing. I mean, that is amazing. And I know what you're probably thinking what absolute fact could all 99 of these senators possibly agree on? Quote To establish a reserve fund to honor the U.S. Capitol Police and D.C. Metropolitan Police and all first responders. Who fought and died protecting Congress in the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, 2021. Do we have a government anymore of any kind? I mean, whatever you think about January 6th, nobody fought and died. Not a single Capitol police officer, not a single D.C. Metro police officer, Not a single first responder. One person died on January 6th. Her name was Ashley Babbitt. She was one of the protesters. No one else fought and died. And yet our senators on our own side are so pathetically whipped. They have to go along with charade after charade after charade for what? All 99 of those senators know nobody fought and died. All 99 of them do. And yet all 99 of them just said otherwise? What? What What kind of crazy, what kind of mixed-up world do we live in now? And then people wonder. I mean, these people honestly wonder why people are so frustrated and they don't trust anything anymore and they feel like nobody's on their side. I mean, I just mentioned it briefly. Amy Coney Barrett was the one who shoots down The vaccine requirements for students at Indiana University, Amy Coney Barrett, not Elena Kagan, not Sotomayor, not even that loser John Roberts. Supposedly the new conservative one, right? The new Scalia. Oh, great. So what do we have defending us now? What do we have defending us now? Anything? Anything at all? i tell you. Oh, man. You know what? You know what? Forget it. Forget it. I'm going back to you wrecking your parents' car because my blood pressure is about to go through the roof, and I'm just going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to blow off some steam at your expense. Remember, get right to the point. Kevin in Denver, go. All right, 14, cold morning. Mom
3: tells me to go start the car in two-car garage. Go start the car, never driven, put it in reverse. Backs up, hits the middle awning, bids the door. I jump out
0: and try to hit the
2: break.
3: Can't get out. It goes and hits our basketball goal.
0: Oh. Knocks
3: it over and bites it to our neighbor's fence. Oh, no. Try to close the door
2: like there's nothing wrong
3: with it. <laughs> and to this day, my mom's in her 80s. We watch Tommy Boy and that scene with the door coming off, and we laugh hysterically.
0: <laughs> oh, Godspeed to you and mom, brother. That's a great call. Oh, I watched a guy do that once. My first job was uh, washing cars. Now, at the time, you had to be 15. I don't know what the rules still are, but you had to to be 15 to have an official job in America at the time or the state or something. That was the law. Well, I was 14, and I wanted money, so I wanted a job. Well, one of my buddy's dads owned a car wash, and he was crooked as all get-out. So he agreed to pay me under the table and I would go work basically full time in the summer. So I would not complaining, right? It was good money. It was minimum wage, but I mean for minimum wage is good money. I think my allowance was seriously a dollar a week. So when you're making $4.25 an hour, whatever it was, it was good money. And one of my first days on the job, it was one of those high end car washes where they'll detail really nice stuff. Now I didn't get to do any of that, mind you, although I was driving cars with no driver's permit and no nothing at all. I was driving cars around this place anyway. One of the guys who worked there took, uh, I believe it was a Mercedes, I may have that wrong since a long time ago, and did the same thing. Door was open and backed it up and wasn't thinking. He was hanging his head out the door looking behind, and someone's fancy car he dropped off to get detailed bent that door back the other way. Oh my gosh, just thinking about it. Oh gosh. All right. I think it's Zevi in New Jersey. Zevi, whether or not I put your name, go.
3: Yeah, my name is Zevi. How you doing? Uh, I'm really enjoying your show. I wanted to tell you a, a, a positive spin to this. Um, a couple of years ago, I had my father's Lexus, and I had a couple of friends in the back and
2: to my side, and the p- turnpike slowed down in front of me. I didn't see it. I smashed right into the car. I told him my whole car. Oh. I called my father. I said, oh, we got into a little
3: accident. And uh, he comes, and checks out the car, and he gives me a hug, he says, I'm so happy you're alive. And he waited three days, and three days later, you know, he told me, you know, next time you drive, you got to be careful, and it's just a lesson I learned till today. You know, the main thing is the life, and something I want to pass on to my kids.
0: You know what, that actually is fantastic, good for you, and good for your father. That's a great fo- phone call, that's a great phone call. I do not always succeed at that full admission but I try to do the same thing with my kids when they screw up. I'm more likely to chew them out when they don't know they've screwed up or or when they do something small, you know, like disrespecting their mother or something like that. That's more likely to have me come down on you. You screw something up big time, break something expensive. I try to be that dad who's cool about it. I don't always succeed, but I try to be that dad. And, man, you know – See, there are old, obviously, we have a bunch of older people, younger people, all, all ages are enjoying the show, and we're thrilled about that. But that's something I do worry about with my boys. Because even though they're good kids, teenage boys are so stupid. You just, you can't, I mean, it's the testosterone. You can't think about anything but fighting and women. And, and it's just, you get behind the wheel of a car and you shouldn't be there. And they're just one stupid mistake away from being gone. I'll tell you what, I think I'd say the same thing too. Screw the car, buddy. We'll we'll get you a bicycle. I'm glad you're alive. All right. Lori in Georgia, please, Lord, let her have a Southern accent. Lori, go. Well, I think I do. Oh, yes, ma'am. You certainly (laughs) Um, do. Outstanding. Outstanding. Go on, Lori. You could just talk the rest of the show.
3: (laughs) Well, when I was uh, going to college, um, the college was near the house, so I drove to college every morning. And the car I drove was my dad's 68 convertible Firebird. Of course, I was really cool with the guys. And, but the problem was, um, it was convertible, so you couldn't see out of the back windshield very well. It was dark, and I was turning into the to turn, backing into the turnaround to head out the driveway, and all of a sudden I hit something. Forgetting that my dad's Pride and Joy brand new El Camino oh. was sitting in the turnaround with his boat hooked to it, oh. so of course it didn't give, and the bumper, I hit the side of the, the edge of the bumper to where it curled and punched a big hole into the fender.
0: Oh, you wrecked, hold on, hold on, you wrecked your dad's Firebird into your dad's El Camino? Do I have that right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, Lori, I am so glad you Lo- are still alive talking to us to this day. God bless you. <laughs> That's brutal. That's That might be the worst story all night. That might be worse than the poor sap who totaled the Corvette on the way to prom. <laughs> all right, we have headlines I didn't get to, and there are quite a few of them. Hang on. Miss something? There's a podcast Get it
1: on demand wherever podcasts are found. The Jesse Kelly Show.
0: It is the Jesse Kelly Show final segment. One more reminder, tomorrow is an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Get your questions in now. Jesse at jessikellyshow.com. Make sure you put Ask Dr. Jesse in the subject line. Doesn't have to be political. History, food, men, women, whatever you want to talk about, we talk about all of it on the Jesse Kelly Show on Fridays. We're about to get the headlines I didn't get to. We'll take one more. Scott and Coeur what did you wreck?
3: Well, when I was a sophomore in high school, I had an old truck, and uh, my dad, my stepdad of a couple years showed up to be a decent guy, showed up with a really nice truck, and he asked me if I liked it, and I said, yeah, and he goes, well, tomorrow when I get home from work, I'll go down to Robdo's and pay for it. It's yours. And away he went, as proud as he was. And I went away as proud as I was. And before he got home from work the next day, I rolled it. Oh. Oh. Yes, this, was in, oh. this was in May, and he didn't sit down at the dinner table until September. And eat with me. <laughs> Wouldn't have been talked to me.
0: <laughs> oh, Scott, I hope you guys recovered, my man. Oh, gosh. Some of these things are painful. Look. Do you notice how they're mostly guys? I mean, we had one woman, but they're mostly guys. Why are we so dumb? And like 99% of the cases were dudes with women. When dudes get around women, we just do, we, we become idiots. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. See, this is the thing, ladies. Everybody tells you with all this stupid women's empowerment stuff, all this I am woman, hear me roar stuff. You have to always be screaming about equality and stuff like that as if you didn't have a hold of us beforehand. Use the gifts God gave you for Pete's sake. Let's get to the headlines I didn't get to. Biden inflation tax erases gains in workers' pay as Democrats' own economists admit fears. That's from justthenews.com. Yeah. Yeah, they're destroying the middle class. They're destroying the middle class and not only... Is there no end in sight? There's no plan. See, the problem is when you surround yourself with communists, as Biden has, you don't have anybody who has an idea how to get an economy back on track, because all they've ever learned is how to wreck an economy. It's shocking to say, and I don't mean to be disheartening about it, there's nobody there who knows how to fix this economy. They don't know anything. They'll know how to spend and raise taxes. The things we actually need? Well, none of those people were there. Headline from Fox News. John Kerry family jet already emitted an estimated 30 times more carbon in 2021 than the average vehicle does in a year. Remember remember this. One, you have to remember two things. One, none of the people selling you on climate change believe in climate change. They prove that to you with their actions all the time. Remember Obama was Mr. Climate Change Guy and then flew his pizza chef out to make him a pizza? That guy does not care about climate change. And then bought a, a Martha's Vineyard mansion on the ocean while talking about the rising of the ocean waters? <laughs> John Kerry doesn't believe in climate change. They know it's an excellent tool to abuse suckers with. They know it. They know it. They, look, like I have said, cr- climate change in coronavirus, they share a lot in common and that it's simply the elite using your fear to gather more power for themselves. This is, not, this is not a new technique. From the dawn of time, leaders have realized, if I can just scare them, I can get more. Just scare them. Scare them enough. They'll give up their rights. They'll not only give up their rights— If I scare them bad enough, they'll actually oppress other people for me because I've scared them bad enough. Scared people aren't thinking people. That's why you see what you've seen right now in the United States of America. Scared people aren't thinking people. I I just saw today, I'm not going to drop any names on anybody or anything like that, but I just saw today a lady with her kids, perfectly healthy kids, both of them under the age of seven, sent them to school in face masks and face shields and rubber gloves, both under the age of seven. I believe one was in first grade and one's in kindergarten. That's somebody who's been scared beyond the ability to think rationally. You can't get through to that person now. That person, what will that person do in order to feel protected? That person would do anything. And everything. China is massively expanding their strategic nuclear capability. That's from political insider. Well, yeah, I don't know why people are shocked about these things anymore. China to their credit, China has been very open about the fact they want to bring the United States of America down a notch. They feel like they should be leading the world. They have imperialist dreams. They're pretty open about it. It's not as if they're, they're being shifty. We know exactly what they want. That goes great with this headline. Chinese nuclear attack subs stalking Britain's new aircraft carrier across the Pacific. Oh, well, that's going fine. Doesn't look like we're going to have any problems. At least nothing like this has ever happened before. Headline. This is from Newsbusters. End run around the Constitution? Biden administration pressures Facebook to censor Americans. The government-corporate partnership... One of the scariest things going on in the country. You see it with the vaccine mandates all over the place. Government runs right up against its limits on what it can't do. And then it simply turns to its corporate partners and says, hey, we can't make them do this. But it'd be really nice if they couldn't fly on your airline, eat in your restaurant. It'd be really nice if they can't do any of the services you provide. If you could maybe look into that for us. Headline from ABC, Florida and Texas account for nearly 40% of new hospitalizations. That's weird because they report no evidence of a super spreader event at the big concert in Chicago. Hmm. <laughs> None of what you see is real. Tomorrow's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Email your questions, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. That's all.